Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Chambers. It's so good uh, to, be, to be here with you tonight um, in this place. I believe that each of you is here for a reason, and I believe that God had it that you would be here tonight. Whether you were driving by and saw a bunch of cars and were like, I'm going to check out whatever that is, or a friend invited you 15 times and you finally said yes, or you come to Vertical every week, I believe that each of you is here for a reason and that God has something specific for each of you tonight. So I want to start off by telling you a story. Um, when I was a kid, and even to this day, my best friend, his name is Michael Vaughn, right? He and I are from Houston, Texas. We grew up together. He uh, ended up going to a- Texas A&M, and I went to Baylor. I would have probably gone to A&M with him, but I wasn't smart enough to get in. And so uh, we grew up together, and we spent countless hours together. We went to school together some years. We went to high school to finish out our schooling before we left home for college. But the story that I want to tell you tonight happened in third grade. And so on this particular Friday night or Friday afternoon, Mrs. Vaughn, Michael's mom, picked us up from school. And uh, we got in her minivan that was so awesome at the time. I wanted my mom to have one just like it. And so we got in. uh, And Mrs. Vaughn, who was my favorite like mom of my friend. She was one of the most fun people in my life. She began to tell us, guys, tonight, Mr. Vaughn and I, her husband, Michael's parents, want to take y'all to do something really fun. And in my head, I'm thinking going to your house is the funnest thing. I I mean, it's so fun. We really don't have to go do anything. But she began to tell us that uh, there were two kind of options for us. Um, And so she began to explain that the first option was going to be for us to go to a Houston Astros game. The Houston Astros is the professional uh, baseball team in Houston. And so she told us, you know, Mr. Vaughn and I have access to these awesome tickets, kind of hyping it up. And we're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then she says, uh, begins to explain the second option. And so the second option was for us to go see a movie. And the one that she threw out was Freaky Friday. With Lindsay Lohan, 2003, two eight-year-old boys. I'm pretty sure uh, I, you know, thought Lindsay Lohan was cute or whatever. And so this was also exciting news. And so Miss Miss Mrs. Vaughn explained these two things that these were the two options, right? And then she looked at me and she she said, Chambers, since you're our guest, you get to decide, right? And so for those of you that don't know me, uh, I don't like making decisions on the behalf of a group, whether it's another person and I or 50 people, because I want everyone's opinions to be heard, I want everyone to be happy, and so I'm like, shoot. So she begins to tell me that, and as she says this, this to me, that I'm going to get to pick what we're going to do, I begin to just actually sink in my chair in her car, and this incredible amount of worry and anxiety and really this fear just came onto me, and as an eight-year-old little boy, right, in this minivan, I actually had a panic attack. As she explained this to me and then told me I was going to get to pick. And the reason that I had so much worry come on to me and in my heart and anxiety is because as a kid from about five or six years old, really until I turned 18, my biggest fear was mascots. I, I, as a kid, my family and I, we referred to them as characters, so I'm actually the reason that my family has never been to Disney World. They've never told me that. Uh, but I believe it's true. And so I had this incredible fear. And so I began to you know, process these things. And I'm thinking, if I go to the Astros game, they have a mascot there. There is a 10-foot bunny rabbit named Junction Jack at the time. And it doesn't matter if, I, if he comes and sits next to me. It doesn't matter if I see him across the stadium that holds 41,000 people. It really doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to be afraid of this huge rabbit. 
I've dealt with them before. And so as I sit there, I'm processing these things, and I choose Freaky Friday. And so we, uh, we went to their house, and we hung out, and then we went to see it. I had the best time of my life. Uh, Michael had actually already seen the movie, which is hilarious. So he got to see it twice. Like I said, he was a good friend. But I had this incredible fear of mascots that brought so much anxiety and worry into my life. My elementary school and middle school, it's the same school, they actually still, I don't think to this day, have a physical mascot because of me. So when I was in like fourth or fifth grade, they ordered this, I don't know how expensive they are, they're more expensive than you would think, but they ordered it, uh, this mascot, we were the Warriors, and they used it, and it caused so much fear and anxiety in my life, and the administration knew that, and so they, they still, I don't think to this day, use it right? And at the same school, I don't know if you're the middle school or elementary school that you went to did this, but our school, we had a book fair. And so every year, right, this book fair would happen. It was so exciting because we were going to get all these books, right, which is awesome as a little kid because I didn't read any of them, but I wanted as many as my mom would buy me. And so in order for this book fair to happen, it was a tradition that someone would dress up as Clifford the Big Red Dog in this mascot suit. And so my middle school, in elementary school, it had happened for several years, came up with this brilliant idea, hey, it, we'll get the best of both worlds. We'll put the kid that we know is fearful of these things and anxious, we'll put him in it. That way, he can't see the face, he won't be afraid, and he'll walk around and do what we need to happen. It's a win-win. And so tonight, I actually have a picture, I hope, hopefully you can see it kind of, of me in elementary school in this Clifford outfit, right? I think you can see it probably better on this side, which is just the creepiest picture ever, right? Little Chambers. Uh, overweight little chambers and a Clifford outfit. But I tell you all these things. I tell you the ridiculous story about uh, the Astros game, right, choosing Freaky Friday, and then about me dressing up as Clifford, because tonight we're going to talk about worry. And we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is worth trusting in. He is, he is worthy of us giving our worry to him. And, and worry, like, in every single way. As, a, as it comes or as it came to me as a fear of mascots and whatever that you're worrying about today as 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, maybe even there's a, if there's a 50 year old in here. Because worry is this real thing, but Jesus is worth trusting in. Last week, Dale started our Pebble series and he told the, the story of the paralytic man, this man that had been paralyzed his whole life that Jesus healed and he forgave, right? And so one of the pebble takeaways from last week, if you will, uh, was for us to trust and know that Jesus, all authority is his, right? And so this week, because he has all authority, we're gonna talk about him being worthy of our trust. And I just wanna make this really clear before we continue. I am a fellow warrior with you. It literally is, I have prepared for this talk. It's been like, Chambers, how's you, how are you doing? How's it going? Well, I can't tell them I'm worried or I'm anxious about it because I'm literally speaking on it. There are things every day, even throughout my day today, as soon as I wake up in the morning until my bed hits the pillow that I worry about. We as humans have a need and a want, uh, a desire for control, uh, and, and we, we just don't, worry is not fun. I mean, simply put, like, worry is miserable. Uh, we worry about actual situ- situations, excuse me, things that are happening in our lives that, that, are, that are worrying us, that are happening right now, whether it's sickness uh, of a family member or maybe you or something going on, right, even a test. There are things that are actually happening and that worry us. But we also, if you're like me, you create situations that are not happening, will not happen, 
from years from now. Like I create situations, I can go from sitting down and eating a cookie with someone and everything being fine in the world to having a thought of a worry about when I'm 72 years old. You know, it's crazy how, how quickly our minds create these unrealistic uh, situations and things that we worry about. Tonight, we're going to look at a passage from Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can uh, begin to turn there. Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, and for those of you that don't know what that is, basically uh, this large group of people, Jesus, his disciples um, are there as well, and there's a large crowd, and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is instructing them on things like prayer and how to fast and give, right? He, he, he models the prayer. We call that the Lord's Prayer, which is found just before this passage. So before uh, we read this together um, and, and, and dive in, I'd love to pray for us and for you and for, and for me. Lord, we love you, and uh, we're just thankful for this time. I ask that you will remove me, that my words would be your words, and that uh, anything that distracts from truth, from what you have for us, that it would be forgotten uh, in this place tonight. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, in your Bible, if you have it, or on your, on your phone, and we'll have it on the screens as well, let's read Matthew, 6, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This is Jesus speaking, all of this. This is why I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. My, my first point uh, for us tonight, Jesus uh, gives us four do not worry commands. He tells us not to worry twice. He poses it as a question, right? And then the fourth time as he finishes this, he tells us not to worry about tomorrow. And so my first point tonight is do not worry, is do not worry. But the reality is, is that even as I say that, you're probably still worrying because Chambers' words, my words, if I tell you not to worry, that doesn't do anything, right? That doesn't uh, necessarily help your situation or, or whatever's going on with you. But Jesus himself here tells us not to worry. He begins to tell us uh, not to worry about what we will eat or about our body, what we will wear or what we will drink. And and the reality is is that most of us tonight, you all, I can see most of you, you look great. You're clothed, right? You probably ate at Chick-fil-A or Chewy's or something before you came here, right? The reality is is that most of us in this room probably aren't worrying too much about what we're going to wear or about what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink. Most of us actually need to get rid of clothes, give clothes away, or we have the ability to buy meals for people that need them than we do 
needing them ourselves. Jesus right here is telling these people that he can provide for our foundational needs. That's the point that he's making. The people that he's speaking to at this mountain, on the mountainside, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, they, some of them need clothes. They need food. They need shelter. And so Jesus, what, what he's saying here is that we, he can provide for our foundational needs. That's what he does. Each of you here tonight um, has physical needs. Yes, we need food and water and shelter and clothing in order to survive. But you as a person, you each have a soul. You each have a heart and a mind. And what that means is that you actually have bigger and more needs than just food and water and shelter as a person with a soul. Guys in the room, a lot of our needs um, or some of our needs are to feel respected, right? We, we love to feel respect from anyone that we know or anyone that we don't know. We want to be respected. We want our, our space and ourselves to be respected. We want to feel appreciated, right? We love to be thanked. We love to feel loved and affirmed and important, and, and really, we just love to feel like a hero. We love to feel and, and we, that, that we're all that, basically. Um, girls in the room, you need to feel, you have this need of, of wanting to feel protected, right? You need to feel affirmed and safe and beautiful and heard and needed and valued and understood, right? You need to feel like you're important, too. And so we all, all of us have these needs. And so I'm here tonight to ask you, what do you need tonight? Because our need and our worry usually are connected. And so the first question is, what do you need tonight? And then the second question is, what are you worried about? When you came into this room, when you walked in those doors, what did you come in here? What's weighing on your shoulders tonight? Is it a midterm, uh, you know, tomorrow, and you're hoping that I wrap it up quickly because you need every minute you can to study is there someone that, that's at home that's sick? Is grandma or grandpa sick? Maybe someone has cancer, right? Or maybe uh, you're worried about your image, like I was when I was at Baylor University. And everything that you do and say and wear is to protect that image and to make it better. Going to school for you is miserable because you walk across campus or you drive to campus and you go to class and all that happens is you, is you see people and you wonder what they think about you. What are you worried about? What do you need? Think about this. If we were able to control everything, we wouldn't need Jesus, right? If I was able to, to, to get over myself and get over my worry and be confident in who I am physically, right? And if I was a billionaire and no one was sick in my family because I could heal everyone, I wouldn't need Jesus. So our need and our worry are connected, right? Because Jesus meets our needs. We wouldn't need Jesus if we were able to control everything in our faith would be meaningless. In Matthew 28, uh, just after Jesus died and was resurrected, right, he came back to life. Right before he ascended into heaven, he, he, he literally said to the people there, all authority has been given to me, Jesus, in heaven and on earth. And the fact, I love, that gives me chills thinking about it. I don't know if it does you, to think he has all authority in my life. I don't have to worry. It's selfish, sinful, right, little chambers I don't have to worry because all authority is his, right? Jesus is saying not to worry here because he can provide everything that we need. Everything that you need tonight that you're worried about, he can provide. Jesus never says uh, that life will be easy. He actually promises that trouble will come and that it will be hard. In John uh, 16, he tells us, take heart, right? That, that uh, take heart because trouble's coming, but take heart because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. He promises us trouble, right? 
He tells us to trust him and what he's doing. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And I don't know about you, but that's really, really difficult for me to do. I can, I can give trust, right, to someone or something or God. I can give a little bit, but it's really, really hard for me to let go of everything that's weighing me down and let him take it. To continue on with that verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, right? What you can see, this, this idea of worrying. Sometimes we think what we can see, these false realities and assumptions are what's really happening, but lean into Jesus and he will direct your paths. Um, and, and the reality is, is that most of the things that we, don't e- that we worry about in- as individuals don't end up happening. Don Joseph Goway says this. He says, 85%, 85% of subjects worried about never happen. And the remaining 15% out of 100, right, 85, excuse me, plus 15 is 100. So 85% never ends up happening. And the remaining 15%, 79% of subjects discovered that they could either handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means that 97% of what you worry about or what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misconceptions. That's what worry feels like to me. I literally feel like I'm being punished. It's miserable right? But 97% of the things that we worry about either end up not happening or they do happen and we learn from them. There's a lesson or or an aspect of growth. Francis Chan, uh, who is a, a really popular speaker and pastor and author, he says this, don't miss this. He says, both worry and stress reek of arrogance. They declare our tendency to forget that we've been forgiven. I don't know about you, but I don't like the words reek and arrogance. I don't like things that smell bad. That's just a weird word that I don't enjoy. And the word arrogant, none of us like to be around arrogant people. But Francis says that if I worry and I stress, that I'm reeking of arrogance. And the reason that I'm reeking of arrogance is because when I worry and stress about a situation that is not in my control, what I'm saying is is that I'm God, basically. That's, That's what I'm saying. And so he's saying, when you do that, when you worry and you stress, you're reeking of arrogance because what you're doing is showing that you think you're in control. Ask Jesus to give you what you need instead of telling him what you need and then asking him for it. 1 Peter 5, 7 says to cast all of our anxiety onto Jesus because he cares for us. I, I, I hope that you'll picture this with me. This word cast, it's not, you know, Jesus sitting there, um, you know, all looking nice or whatever, and we're going to him with one little thing saying, can you handle this? Please take it. No, it's cast. It's to throw it on Jesus, to get rid of it. And the reality is, is that he's already taken care of it, right? When he was on the, hanging on a cross with three nails in him to hold him on the cross, the Bible tells us that the weight of the world was on his shoulders. And I think as, as people, we forget that part of the weight that was on his shoulders, part of our sin is our worry. Right, We kind of worry is this thing that's not a part of our sin, and the reality is is that worry is sin. Jesus literally in this passage four times, and it's all over the New Testament and other places, he tells us not to worry. So when we worry, what are we doing? We're disobeying. Right? But when he hung on the cross, the weight of the world was on his shoulders. Our worry was on him. He has taken care of it. Jesus is worth trusting in because he commands us not to worry. 
Let's look back at, uh, at verses 26 through 30. This is what it says. It says, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? My second point um, for us tonight is that you are valued. Hear me say that. No one, most of us probably weren't told that today. In fact, you might have even been questioning if, if anyone cares, right? And that's led you to worry. But Jesus tells us here that we are worth much. You are valued. Jesus, um, they're outside, right, when he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, excuse me. And so I like to picture uh, that there's flowers there, right, in the grass, and that birds are flying around, or they're, you know, coming and landing or whatever. And Jesus literally says, look at those birds, right? He says, look at those birds. They don't reap or sow or gather into barns, but the Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they, the birds? I've, I've been thinking about this passage for a while now and studying it, and I've noticed birds a lot more. It's funny. They're everywhere. They land everywhere. They poop everywhere. They fly everywhere. They're everywhere. A lot of them are ugly, the ones that we see on normal days. And what Jesus is saying here is that we are worth much more than the birds that he provides for. They don't have a place to gather things like we do, you know, a home on H Street, this nice duplex or something, or an apartment. But Jesus continues to provide the birds. So he's saying, you are, you are worth so much to me. You are a value to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And uh, in, in, Luke te- in Luke 12, excuse me, Jesus tells us, right, that he knows how many hairs are on our heads. He knows each of you individually. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are his. John 3.16 tells us that God the Father loved us humans, messed up humans that worry so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cross so that we could come to know him and have eternal life. The fact that he sent Jesus means that we're of value. Why would he send his son to come down here and get spit on and beaten and crucified for us, right, if we weren't of value to him? Hear that really clearly tonight. That is the gospel. You are of value to him and Jesus came to die on a cross so that we wouldn't have to for our worry, right? Every time we worry, we aren't trusting Jesus and what he's doing. Jesus tells us in this passage that we are worth so much to him. When we worry, we have little faith, and Jesus comes to us and tells us that we're of value to him. Let's continue reading verses uh, 31 to 34. So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. My third point tonight for us is to seek first the kingdom. 
to seek first the kingdom, just as Jesus says. Jesus tells uh, a group of people earlier uh, before this that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what he means by that is that he's the kingdom, right? Jesus came as a baby, right, and grew, grew into a man. He came, he is the kingdom. And so this is kind of a complicated thing, to, to this idea of seeking first the kingdom. Of What Jesus is saying is to seek him first. So my question with this tonight is, what are you seeking? Are you seeking um, you, who you are, <laughs> what your purpose is? Maybe tonight you're here and all you've been seeking, right, is the approval of a, of a big company so that you can go work there. Or maybe you're seeking the approval of your roommates or your friends or someone that you sit next to that you're trying to impress. What are you seeking? A guy or a girl, fame, wealth, pleasure. But the reality is is that if Jesus isn't first, then something else is first. And I believe that if Jesus isn't first, then I'm first. That's really the only two options, right? Jesus, if Jesus isn't first, then something else is first. He tells us here to seek first the kingdom and all these things will be provided for you. When you seek Jesus, right, when you spend time in his word and you're in community with those that know him, all of these things, these foundational needs that he starts out with by telling us he can provide are added unto us. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this, it says, do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Some of you in here, you might not have heard the word thanksgiving, right, since thanksgiving. But what this verse is saying is that we're to go to Jesus and we are literally to beg him. When I think of the word, uh, when I think of the word petition with thanksgiving, that's what I think of, right? We are to go to him with thanksgiving to say, thank you, Lord, for where I am and where you have me and what you're doing in my life. We're to go to him with prayers of thanksgiving. Prayer and petition means seeking Jesus. Seek the kingdom and all these things will be provided for you. And then he finishes uh, telling the crowd not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. When I was uh, a senior in high school, my, uh, right before I, I came to Baylor, my dad, uh, got, basically we had a conversation and he told me that um, we were going to go to this kind of wilderness adventure camp. It's called JH Ranch. Some of you might have heard of it. It's in Northern California and it's this place, right, that you can go as a camper by yourself. But what it's known for is fathers, primarily mothers, some, going with their kids. So a father taking his daughter or a father taking his son or a mother, right? And so my dad told us that we were going to do this. And so I was all excited to go to California and also to spend time with him right before I went off to Baylor and a lot changed in terms of me not being physically with him every day anymore. And so we get to California and some things that my dad and I enjoy are the outdoors and food. And so we had a lot of great food. We had a lot of great conversations. We got to worship together, right? We did all these activities the whole week, and so I'm a planner, and, and I like to know the plan. I like to know what's going to happen, and when I don't know what's going to happen, it's that control need thing. I begin to worry, and so there was this thing on the schedule. I looked at the schedule pretty early on. I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of it, but there was this thing later in the week that I, did, I didn't know what it was or what we were going to do, and so all week, I spent time worrying about it, you know, questioning, what is it? What are they going to make us do? You know, are they going to 
I don't know. What are they going to make us do? And so anyway, so we get to this day and this moment, basically where we went to the side of, of this hill, fitting, but also uh, in this story, they're, you know, on the mount, on the mountain. And so uh, we sit down and our counselor comes up. The counselor, our cabin was about 10 guys and their dads, and they gave us each a bandana. And uh, so I'm like, you know, what are we going to do? You know, are we going to hit each other with them or put them around our eyes? Or, you know, what is this? Are we about to, you know, play capture the flag? Like, that'd be awesome. Wow, I shouldn't have been worrying about this all week. And so our counselor begins to go around the circle, and he begins to put this blindfold over our eyes, right? I don't know if any of you have ever had a blindfold, a bandana, maybe even particular over your eyes, but if it's tied well, right, and you haven't made it to where you can see, you can't see anything. And so uh, John, my, my counselor at the time, put this over my eyes, and they had to sit down. And, uh, and I remember the dads kind of went off, and I'm, you know, I'm freaking out. In my mind, I'm like, what are they going to do? Are they going to push us in the lake? You know, what's going on? I got to know. It's that control need thing, right? And so pr- pretty quickly after, actually, uh, I, we kind of hear footsteps on the gravel. And so these, the dads come back, and they... Uh, come up to each of their sons. And so my dad comes up behind me. I remember sat down next to me, and uh, he knows me well, and he probably told me, Chambers, chill. Um, And then he he told me these three things. He said, Chambers, I love you, and I'm never going to leave you. And all I want you to do is listen to my voice. I love you, Chambers, and I'm never going to leave you, and all I want you to do is listen to my voice. So I'm like, perfect, those are all great things. What are we doing? And so they pick us up, and my, gra- my dad took me by the hand or, or by the wrist, and we begin to walk up this, up, up this hill. And so uh, basically, you know, it was kind of paved. Um, I could tell, I was trying to get a feeling of wh- where, we were, where we were and stuff. And so we begin to walk, and I held his hand, right? And, and we begin to walk. I don't remember if we talked, but he reminded me. He kept saying, Chambers, I love you. And I'm never going to leave you, and you don't have to worry about anything. Eventually, we kind of let go of, of hand, or he let go of my hand. I, I didn't want to let go. I liked knowing where we were going. And so he let go, and I kind of stopped, and he got behind me, right? And I think I figured out by question, because I can rapid fire those questions and figure out what's going on. And what I found was that this kind of next, uh, in these next moments, what was going to happen was that I, in order to progress and know where I was going, I had to ask for direction. So I, had to, I could say, you know, what's next or whatever, and my dad um, would say, you know, take five steps forward or one step to the right, right? He was directing my path, my path as long as we were in conversation with each other. He, he continued to tell me, Chambers, I love you, and I'm not going to leave you, I'm not going to leave you. He kept reminding me of that, right? And then the third thing, he said, listen only to my voice. And so uh, the moments went on as we continued to go up this hill, which felt like forever. And, and suddenly another person, I don't know who it was, but another counselor or something came up next to my dad, really, really close to my ear, and he began to whisper lies in my ear. He doesn't love you, right? He, don't listen to him. T- turn right right here. Wait, stop. You're going to do this or you're going to do that, right? He was lying to me. What he was saying in my ear, it was causing this, like, panic. I actually, I remember, you know, as an 18-year-old, in that moment, I became emotional because it was, I, was, I was getting this picture that was being painted. So we continued on and ended up finishing 
uh, this, this moment together. But this, this story is a lot like our relationship with Christ, right? He has told us in his word in John 3.16 that he loves us, right? Chambers, I love you. And I'm not going to leave you. He tells us that he's never going to leave us or forsake us, right? And that we're only supposed to listen to his voice. But what we do when we worry is we don't listen to his voice. Does he love me? Like, does he actually love me? Like, why is this stuff happening to me? Why is so-and-so sick? Why can't I pass a test? Why do I not feel pretty enough? Why do they put that girl or that guy up front and sing? These silly things that, that cause so much worry and panic and anxiety in our lives. But maybe there's real things going on right now. Maybe there's a sibling that is lost at home. You have a, a sister or a brother that keeps making the same decision over and over and over again. And they're so far from Jesus. And it's, it's causing tension in your family. It's causing worry and anxiety. But what Jesus tells us is that he loves us to listen only to his voice and that he's never going to leave us. And I just want you to remind you of that tonight. That you are loved by the creator of the heavens and the earth. He loves each of you. And he's never going to leave you. And it is on us to listen only to his voice. Right? The, we, there is an enemy. And in, in First Peter, it tells us that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. He uses worry to get in our heads to try and devour us. Worry is this powerful thing that is so distracting. But what Jesus tells us in this passage in Matthew is that we're not to worry. Maybe uh, you're sitting here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And your whole life, you still have this bandana on your eyes. You don't believe that he loves you. You don't believe that he's not going to leave you. You don't believe that what he has for you is best. You've never decided to take the bandana off of your eyes, right, and focus on Jesus and listen to him. Or maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're in Christ. You've known Jesus since you were eight years old and your family grew up going to church. And that's incredible, actually, that you were blessed with that opportunity. But for years now, or maybe a day here and a day, a day there, you put that blinder on, you put that bandana on, and you listen to the lies of the enemy. And you worry about not being good enough. And you worry about someone that's sick at home. You worry about your future. But Jesus tells us not to worry and that he loves us. Just these three things. He tells us, I love you. Do not worry. That's what it is, right? I love you. Do not worry, our first point. I'll never leave you. You are valued, so he's never gonna leave us. And listen only to my voice. Seek first the kingdom. Seek Jesus first. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. <laughs> I, just, I just thank you for loving us. We are just messed up selfish, sinful people, God, that, that choose to worry when your word tells us so clearly, you literally tell us, it's not even someone quoting you, you tell us not to worry. Not to worry about today or not to worry about tomorrow because we're of value to you. And so God, tonight I ask that, that each and every one of us here would leave this place 
trusting that we are of value to you and that we can trust you with everything. Just as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, God, that we, if we trust in you with everything that we have, with all of our hearts, and lean not on what we can see to be true or to be happening, that you will direct our paths, that you will provide, that you will, provi- that you will bring healing, Jesus. I ask tonight that you would move in this place and work in this place, that we would leave changed, that we wouldn't worry. We wouldn't worry about what people think about us or our future, but we would trust your word, that your literal, literal word that you said on the mountain that day not to worry, but to take heart because you have overcome the world. We don't have to overcome the world. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to try and control anything because you, you own the world. You're in control. You have all authority. You hold the keys to heaven, Jesus. We just thank you that you give us the opportunity not to worry. How freeing that is. For some of us to sing, it is well with our soul. A lot of us came here tonight, and there's just not a lot well with our soul. But I ask that in these moments of response, Lord, that we would leave knowing that that's true, that it is well with our soul if we are in Christ. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.